If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf betting system Greetings, welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast. It's episode 269. This is our Open Championship Research Pod. Paul Williams joins me, Steve Bamford, to discuss our early thoughts on the action from Royal Liverpool Hoylake. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Steve. How are you? We're all good, mate. Looking forward to the Open. Mm. Please subscribe to this podcast as you drive the popularity of the show. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website where we have recent major finish stats. Very, very useful. Plus, my open championship in depth research preview. Both are available in the pod description box. We're available on Twitter. Paul is at Golf Betting. I am at Bamford Golf. Subscribe to the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel, channel even, where this podcast is available along with my weekly golf betting show. The golf betting show for the Open will be out next Monday, which is the 17th of July. Now, you guys as listeners power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. As ever, for those of you who leave a review... I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. Keep the reviews coming, please. They're very, very important to us. And keep pressing that five-star button on Spotify. We're creeping towards 500. Right, this one. Title, A-plus from afar. Five stars. Hey, team. I listen to this show all the way from New Zealand. And I really appreciate feeling like I have almost walked the course with you guys during your research research shows. The analysis and research is second to none. And the depths you go to always amazes me. Keep up the great work, exclamation mark. That is from Scotty. And Scotty is in the beautiful country of New Zealand. Thanks, Scotty. Brilliant stuff, Scotty. Thank you for that. And uh, always... Amazes me, Steve, how um, how different corners of the world are uh, listening to us each and every week. And uh, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, only on Tuesday we're in the Netherlands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're not going to come out with a uh, New Zealand uh, accent for us now, are you? No. <laughs> My son was trying to do an Australian accent yesterday, and it was absolutely atrocious. But he's very good at Scottish. Oh, okay. that'll be the Scottish ancestry in the family. So yeah, that's where yeah. I get my gingerness from. Yep. So he's very good at Scottish, my boy, but he's not very good at um, at uh, Australia or Aussie, mate. Needs to brush up a little bit. Now I was going to bring this up, Paul, because <clears throat> you and I and Barry are going to Wentworth this year, aren't we? We are indeed. We're going to the 2023 BMW PGA Championship on the West Course mm-hmm. at Wentworth. And we just want to make listeners aware, because some of you guys and girls might be going to Wentworth. Uh, we always go on the Friday. So we're going on Friday. Uh, and yeah, just keep an eye out. I sh- I'm sure we'll be hang- loitering around the first tee about half past nine, something like that. Yep. And then we just we walk the course, don't we, Paul? We well, we tend to get around about halfway and then find the uh, the bar area around the uh, around the turn and then halfway's um, a bit generous. <laughs> it's normally around the sixth, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's a there's a pit stop along the way. I remember. Yeah, but mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's interesting because in the past, um, people have you know, spotted you as the face of the uh, the golf betting system YouTube channel, um, and then uh, literally you and I have been chatting by the side of a fairway and. Uh, People have turned around to us and uh, and recognised the voices and uh, and just had had a, had a good chat about the uh, you know everything golf and betting as a result of it, which is always people pleasing. are tapping us on the shoulder. We're turning around and they're punching us because our tips are so abysmal <laughs> and they've lost the fortune. Yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's good good to know that Barry's going to be with us this year as well, which mm. um, which is fantastic. So uh, there'll be the three of us around. So yeah, if you if you spot us or hear us, then. Uh, yeah, do come and have a chat, please. 
Right. Let's move on to the Open Championship, shall we? That's why mm. people are here. I always find this. I get so, so excited. I'll tell you what else I was going to say before we get into this. Listeners, we have got a huge opportunity this year to be to produce the biggest amount of downloads we've ever done on the Golf Betting System podcast. So if you're, if you're seriously into the Golf Betting System podcast, all we're asking you to do, press the share button, uh, retweet on Twitter. If you're having a round of golf over the weekend or Monday or next week, just mention it to your, your golfing buddies or having a beer in the bar. Just mention it. You know, oh, any tips for the Open this week? Oh, I listen to this podcast, Golf Banks. It's just mention us, and that's going to help boost our numbers. And hopefully next week we get our biggest podcast ever. Mm. Right, Hoylake, Royal Liverpool is the home of this year's Open. Now, we last saw this, Paul, 2014. Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, Rory was in his hotel room and doing the doing the rain dance. Yep. And lo and behold, the heavens opened <laughs> and Rory snared the famous claret jug. Yep. And do you yep. know what? Looking at the long-term weather forecast, it might be exactly the same kind of conditions this year. Oh, well, yeah, it's... We're into a funny spell, aren't we, over here? And we're going to see similar over the um, the weekend at the Scottish Open because um, the way the weather patterns are working at the moment, um, there's a lot of scope for these low-pressure systems to develop out in the Atlantic and then just blow across the country. So that's wind and rain. And um, when we put together the content and the podcast for this week for the Scottish Open um, Saturday and Sunday looked you know looked a bit iffy um, as the weeks progressed it's got progressively worse and uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch how the guys play on Sunday um, up at Renaissance because we're looking at potentially 30 mile an hour winds gusting oh, really? yeah gusting 40 plus potentially really oh it's, wow Pretty naughty, and um, we, we're over a week out, aren't we? We're a week out from uh, from the open, but there's scope for you know all sorts to happen, and uh, particularly on the west coast of uh, England. So, yeah, we're gonna have to keep very close to it, um, which is always one of the um, fascinations of the open championship how it's gonna manifest itself from a weather perspective. There's going to be a few deliberately missing the cut there, then, just to make sure they can get themselves down to uh, to Merseyside. Mm. Wow! Oh, yeah. I didn't realise that. That'd yeah. be interesting then. It, so yesterday was or oh, so scoring conditions yesterday today, and then it's Armageddon over the weekend. Yeah, getting progressively worse. This morning it's going to be a little bit wet, wetter um, up there today, but uh, the morning players should get a bit of a break today. It's going to get windier in the afternoon. Mm. Um, on uh, yeah, this afternoon, and then from the yeah, well, Sunday's the the real day. So, if we get any days like that, Hoy Lake, then you know that that could be really interesting for the Open next week. So we keep close to it. Yeah, we'll have another update on Tuesday morning when we pull our um, final podcast together. Yeah. Where we'll have a, you know a much better view of it by then. But uh, yeah, don't be surprised if there is quite a bit of wind in the in the forecast. We say year after year after year, the scoring. On these Open Championship tests is always 100% linked, not overly to the course as such, mm. can be to the actual running conditions of the course, but all about the wind, all about the weather. Yep. That dictates that scoring. Is it going to be technical? Is it going to be single digits? Or is it going to be low teens, almost approaching 20 under on some Opens mm. that we've seen recently? Yeah. Don't forget, listeners, our tips podcast, as Paul has alluded to, is out on Tuesday of Tournament Week, which is the 18th of July. Right. I'm going to mention bookmakers, and I'm going to mention Boyle Sports for the Open and for this particular 2023 Open Research Podcast. Via their Pick Your Place facility, you will be able to choose between eight... 10 and 12 places each way at the 2023 Open, all at 150 odds for the place. Golf Betting System podcast listeners can take advantage of their current welcome offer, register and place a first bet of £10 and get £10 in free bets plus a £10 casino bonus for those of you 18 plus in the UK. Full details 
of this customer promotion. Plus a link through to that very offer with T's and C's are available as ever in the podcast description box. Right, okay. Let's get onto some detail around the golf course itself. Now, in my mind, and this kind, if if we were con- if we were going to say that the Open Championship is played in the same conditions across the whole Open rotor, for me, this is one of the easier host courses mm. on that rotor. Yeah, we've seen a couple of Open renewals here since two thousand. Winning totals have been. 18 under, 270 strokes. That was Tiger Woods in 06. It's not a bad winning lineup, really, here, is it? And 17 under, 271 strokes from Rory McIlroy last time in 2014. Yeah. That, to me, highlights a course that the Royal and Ancient could not defend solely via course setup alone. Mm. Now, interestingly enough, and I dragged this out yesterday. I just went into the official numbers as to what the wind was doing at the Open in 2014. Because you can look at 17 under and you go, oh, it must have been pretty calm and barely any wind. Well, yep. you listen to this. Thursday. Winds north to northwest, which looks like... Uh, I'm looking at early stages. It does look like the prevailing westerlies from what I'm seeing yeah, most yeah. of the week. Yeah. 10 to 15 miles an hour on Thursday, gusting to 30... Highs 78 Fahrenheit. On the Friday, partly cloudy, sprinkles of rain in the morning. South to southeast wind, so completely reversing on the Friday. Mm. 15 to 25 miles an hour, 80. And then over the weekend, the wind dissipated 8 to 15, 8 to 15, both from northwesterly direction. Now, to put that into some context, McElroy was 12 under through 36 holes in weather conditions that were 10 to 15, gusting 30, 10, 15 to 25 on the Friday. Now, he was four clear, though, of Dustin Johnson, who was second alone, minus eight. And then in third place, tied, there were six players that included Ricky Fowler, Sergio Garcia. Yep. They were at six under par. Mm. It then eased in terms of wind, and you know they, you know certainly found on Garcia kicked on across Saturday and Sunday to to close down McElroy to I think it was two shots in the end. He was at seventeen, Garcia at fifteen, something like that. Yeah. So that's just worthy of note for me. If you're seeing fifteen to twenty five mile an hour winds, don't automatically think that actually. Par's going to be a good score here. It does seem scorable if you're playing fantastic golf, even in pretty windy conditions. So that's my point there. Yeah, I think. But go on, sorry, Paul. Yeah, no, I, I think that the other thing to consider there is probably the the softness of the turf. Yeah. And you talked about um, Rory's rain dance before, and you know when we when we try and or when we try and match Rory to certain tasks and certain events and certain conditions if it's soft and calm great if it's soft and a little bit windy then he can still contend it's when it's firm and windy that we tend to see Rory struggle a little bit um and that's again any course that's got a bit of cut in it um, at any point is going to lend itself to low scoring for these professionals and we're going to have to keep a, a, an eye on how um, you know, how much rain does fall on the course between now and Thursday. And, of course, what's going to happen during the course of the, the actual tournament days themselves. But mm. um, even with a bit of wind, you know, as you say, I think you're unlikely to see a, a scenario where people are hanging around level par. Um, it, I think it needs to be particularly dry and particularly firm combined with that kind of wind for it to be a, to be a really tough test. I don't think I'm talking out of turn here, but I'm not... I mean, this would have been a different conversation in May when we were having such great weather. Mm. But I don't see a scenario where we're seeing 2006 no. and everything's baked out. No, that was... No. I, I remember the year and it was... You know, we, we were talking mid-30s. That's when you were young and in love, Paul. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it seems like a lifetime ago, but... <laughs> I, 
It was it, it the, the days leading up to it, it was kind of mid thirties, so ninety, ninety five Fahrenheit, um, you know, baking hot and the conditions of the course, um, the Tiger won on back then were you know, chalk and cheese to what uh, to what what, what Rory won won on in twenty fourteen and likely what we will see next week as well. So I think if we were picking correlations between the years, then you'd certainly err on the side of fourteen over oh six at this stage. Before the end of the show, we'll just go through the um, soft golf course metrics just mm. to um, highlight some players that, on our predictor model, are very good in yielding soft conditions, just in case, just just so that uh, we can all make a note of players that do like a little bit of cut, if that's going to be the actual position that we're dealing with. Now, also, there is... Um, uh, I won't say a complication, but we're looking at a different golf course this year. I'm not saying it's it's fundamentally changed. You know, this isn't a situation like we see, at, say, Muirfield Village a few months ago when Jack Nicholas has ripped the course up and basically added 400 yards to it and changed the look and the feel of a lot of the holes. Because you can't do that. It's Royal Liverpool. It's Hoylake. But they have changed the format. So we'll go into that in a short while. Royal Liverpool Golf Club. Hoylake, Merseyside. Designer, Harry Colt, 1895 original. You can't beat a Harry Colt Lynx. Mm. Martin Ibea made some additional changes in 2020. Now, course type, clearly coastal, clearly Lynx. Short in its uh, in its length. To be fair, I might actually recategorise that and say it's medium length because yeah. we're looking at 7,383 yards. So I am going to recategorise that. It's more medium. It's a par 71, and that's the point. Par 71. Woods, McElroy were playing on par 72. So we'll go into the difference and what has caused that in a short while. Holes with water in play, one. Fairways, fescue in terms of their agronomy. Rough, fescue with tall fescue. <laughs> we'll go into that in a short while. Greens, they're a mix. There's some bent grass, there's some poana, there's some fescue. Course scoring average in 2014. Bearing in mind this was a major. It played at 0.77 over par across the field. Which actually made it the 10th most difficult of 48 PGA Tour courses that year. Mm. So that doesn't sound onerous. And I think a lot of that would have been down to that soft turf condition that we saw it, kept, it just kept drizzling through hours well not only did it get deluged the night before but you'd wake up in the morning oh we had another few millimeters over overnight and Rory's yeah. smiling and happy and jaunty <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay yes you know it's like he dialed up the weather god yeah. can, you, can you can you sort this out for me very yeah. very congressional like for the u.s open victory mm. he'd, he'd had earlier right yeah now, these are the key features, Paul, in my mind. Stop me or add to them. Six holes here. Bearing in mind, we've got four par threes, so we're talking about 14 holes. Six of them have genuine in-play out-of-bounds. Yep. You make a mistake off the tee, you are out-of-bounds on six of the 14 non-par threes. Mm-hmm. You don't tend to see that very often these days, do you? No. I so, so, so remember Sandwich and, and Dustin Johnson in it OB on the Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember position, that? wasn't he? Mm, it does happen. Mm. So bear that in mind, listeners. Six holes feature genuinely at risk, out of bounds. So make a note of that. They've lengthened the two par fives on the back side this year. 15 named Field and 18 named Dunn by around 40 and 60 yards respectively. To be fair, 2014, the par fives were getting ripped to shreds. Yeah, yeah. So they put new tee boxes in. So that's that's effectively your extra 100 yards on the yardage of the course 2014 mm. versus 2023. I think this quote that's on my 
research preview is very, very important. He said this pre-2014 Open. I can't do Phil's um, voice, so bear with me. So the thing I really like about Royal Liverpool is the same thing I liked about Muirfield, bearing in mind that Phil was coming here as the reigning Open champion. Those last 20 to 30 yards short of the green, where oftentimes you have to land a golf ball, it will continue to bounce onto the green if you strike it properly. So what he's basically saying there, a lot of these Open Championship venues pre-green have bumps, humps and hollows and you can hit what the professional would um, think is a fantastic shot. It hits the ground and it does things that the professional doesn't want the ball to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it random. brings luck into the equation. What Phil's saying here is that Hoylake, if you're playing well and your approach shots are on point, you're going to get rewarded. So that's worthy of note too. The other thing I've got here, relatively flat putting surfaces. Yeah, well, it's a relatively flat course full stop, isn't it? Um, exactly. You've got the typical linksy features, you know, your deep bunkers, your pot bunkers, um, fescue fairways, uh, fescue rough, which you talked about, those long, you know, that kind of goes from knee height to waist height, doesn't it, as you get deeper yeah. into the into the rough. I think one of the points with some of these changes to tee boxes as well is that they've brought some of these pot bunkers in the middle of fairways um, into the driving zone of the, you know, the, the current um, professional the current distance that professionals are driving. So it's going to, um, it's, it's made it more relevant, I guess, in terms of the current um, you know, crop of professionals out there. Um, you know How that impacts scoring, we'll see. They have um, changed the par. The par is down to 71 now. So um, the 17th, I forget if you just mentioned it, was uh, it's now par three, isn't it? Yeah, but the, the main change on that, Paul, is they've changed the 10th. Now, that, that hole is called mm. Far, which was a bit of a laugh because it was a 532-yard par 5 in 2014. So it was a long way from being Far. And yeah. they ripped that hole apart. Just to put that into context, Rory McIlroy birded, birded it three of the four days. He won. Mm. Yeah. And there were eagles and all manner of stuff happening on that hole. They have changed that now to a plus 500-yard par 4. Yeah, that's right. So that's that's so there, the there's there's your main change. Mm. So effectively, that seventeen under. I mean, are you going to be making a birdie on a five hundred yard par four, the one of the longest par fours on the course? You're certainly not going to be making three out of four days. No. So that's going to be taking a couple of digits out of a winning score, in my opinion. If you were talking about level playing field, level turf conditions, level wind and rain, yeah. Yep. So they have, they have, they have definitely made a move here to make it slightly more stretching. But bear in mind, we've also moved on nine years in terms of player capabilities, yeah, yeah. technology, and just, just you know, the way that modern golfers just shoot lights out. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at a similar winning score. Yeah, in that kind of bracket, isn't it? Mid teens. Yeah. Low, low teens, nineteens, twenties, or you think that fifteen to seventeen area again? I, I think it entirely depends on what we see with yeah. the wind, Steve. I Unfair think, question, sorry. Yeah, I think if if it's ten to fifteen miles an hour, I think it will get into that upper teens. If it's fifteen to twenty plus, then I think it will be, yeah, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. If it's if it's really gnarly, then um, yeah. who knows? It could be way below that, but we'll see. To tap into Paul's comment about the seventeenth, yes, it's a new hole. It's called Little Eye. It's got one of these infinity greens where mm. you're just going to see just lots and lots of content of the green and then the beautiful water beyond and the Welsh coast. Yep. Um, it plays at around about 150 yards. From what I've seen of the hole, um, you can't go long. <laughs> no. If you go if you go seriously long, you're in the water. If you're kind of just a little bit long, you're in deep bunkers. They've also got sort of kind of sandy traps that aren't bunkers, and the fescue is just ridiculous. Mm. You're in a whole host of trouble. 
But yeah, they they basically added a hundred yards to the course, and they've taken the the par from seventy two to seventy one. That's how they're trying to defend the course this year. I still think it'll be scorable, but yeah. it does depend, of course, on the weather. Now, where I'm at on this, in terms of keen, you know, we're we're looking here. We're looking for clues, aren't we? We're looking for clues. I mean, when you when you look back at St Andrews and Cam Smith and the likes of a Cam Young, you kind of got to the feeling with it that St Andrews is so unique, it's got fairways that basically cater for two holes at a time. Driving accuracy was of no importance whatsoever. It was all approach. It was all putting and short game. I don't see that here as much. No. It's a very flat property, as you said. It's It used to be a horse racing track. So whatever wind you get here is seriously felt. Mm. I'm not suggesting that St Andrews wasn't dead plan flat, because that also is. The only real towering sand dunes you get here are pretty much on the 11th, which is the par 4 punch bowl. Um, apart from that, it's pretty damn flat. To be fair, from a viewing perspective, I'd have thought it's pretty difficult to get some decent spots where you can see more than one hole. Mm. But for all it lacks in topography, Royal Liverpool gains, and this is where I think the the key is here: tall fescue in play on all holes. We've also mentioned the six genuine out of bounds areas off the tee. All par fours and par fives feature, and this is really critical. When you look at the fairways, they look kind of average on on width. And then you get two to three yards of what I've categorised as semi-rough. It's not even thick rough, really. And once you stray beyond those two to three yards, if you're missing a fairway... You are instantly into knee to waist high yellow fescue. Mm. And I've put here the transition from fairway to tall fescue is both amazingly stark but also amazingly small in terms of missed distance. And once you're in that fescue, you've got it's just totally the lap of the gods. You could be in a great lie. You could be in an absolutely hellish lie. Yeah. And that, to me, is so, so critical about this golf course. And you can kind of see this from the winning numbers that we saw from both Woods and from McElroy back in 06 and 2014, whereby their... Uh, I mean, we know for a fact, don't we, going back to 06, it was famous for Tiger taking two iron off everything. and Or maybe, yeah, yeah he, he basically ditched his five, five wood in the bag and put, took a two iron. He hit 48 of 56 fairways. He was first for, for fairways hit across the whole field. Yeah. That's Tiger that Woods. That is just pure strategy. It was. I mean, the, the, when he won the Western Open... On his previous outing, he was actually 59th for driving accuracy. So he's gone there and he's basically ditched the five wood. We're going two iron. We're going straight off the tee. Yep. We've got to be on the short stuff. Avoid the hay. You can even say the same for Rory Paul. He hit 37 of 56 fairways. And that was basically two in three. Yep. He was in the top 20 for driving accuracy. And he bombed it. On average, 328 yards. Interestingly, that year in 2014, the only guy that hit it as long as Rory McIlroy, but not straight, was Brooks Kepka. Yeah, Kepka finished quite a long way down the down the yeah. field, didn't he? I mean, that's 2014, yeah. But yeah, yeah but I, um, I, think, I, think I don't know. I, I genuinely think, Paul, that short hitters are in play here. But you need to be looking for those drivers that are studiously both medium to longer off the tee and straight. Mm. Because they're going to have an advantage. They have to. Yeah. 
if you, if you bear in mind that Woods averaged just 291 um, off the tee. And as you said, a lot of that was with taking irons off the tee rather than rather than um, Woods or Driver. Um, yeah. Then it does bring different players into, into the mix because if you can position yourself and, and you talk about this um uh, this this fescue the fes- the long fe- fescue rough if it has been raining which looks really quite likely you know that, that's not just going to be long and um difficult it's going to be long wet and difficult and yeah. that's you know you, you your club's going to be wrapped around the you know wrapped around the rough the grass you know desperately trying to find balls that have sunk to the bottom it's, it's going to be it's going to be tough so you've got Real penalties on the fairways in terms of these pot bunkers, you need to make sure you're navigating your way around or over. Um, and then uh, if, you, if you're missing fairways badly, as you said, it's not even as if you're missing them wildly. It goes really quite quickly from fairway to, uh, to, yeah. you know, to, to the hay. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if there's, if there's a, an open championship where there is a premium on accuracy... Um, then this is going to be one of the ones that uh, swings that pendulum towards that uh, particular attribute. Woods ranked 10th and McElroy ranked 6th for ball striking the week they won. Yeah. Bear in mind, we, I mean, we haven't got genuine strokes gain data from 2014. Mm-hmm. And certainly nothing from 06. But yes, st- Long and straight tends to work everywhere, but I genuinely think, you know, at the Open this year, it's going to be a huge advantage. And that, for me, puts me off a player. I'm talking in terms of winning here. I always do. It's winning rather than placing. That totally puts me off a player like Cam Smith. Yeah. Who can be amazingly erratic off the tee. I mean, when he won at Centurion last week on Live. He he was fifty one point nine percent for fairways hit and fifty percent, I believe. Or is it? It was either fifty percent for fairways hit and fifty one point nine percent for greens in regulation, or the other way around. Yeah. But clearly, he was just chipping, <laughs> chipping and scrambling like Billy Goat Gruff. And apparently, he putted at one point two four putts per GIR, which is a number <laughs> I've never seen in my life. Uh. That is Cam Smith for you, though, isn't it? I, it is, yes. For him to be able to get away with that, that you know, replicating those numbers, it would have to be blowing 40 miles an hour every yeah. day and everyone missing fairways, everyone missing greens, and it just comes down to a you know, a, a, a grind of chipping and putting and, and you know, salvaging par and making the odd birdie as and when is possible. And it would need to be 2013 Muirfield where Mickelson yeah. won. Absolutely lightning fast, yeah. but that isn't going to be the case. Yeah. Interesting. I think mm. we've spoken enough about the course, but I genuinely, genuinely, I and I, I was on Pat Mayo yesterday, and I said to Pat, I think a key number here is the the number available on the PGA Tour website, which is around the the distance of your miss off the tee. Yep. You don't you don't want people ranking one eighty nine for, for for distance missed off the off the fairway. You want guys that even if they're missing are, are literally a, you know a, it's it's consistency of driving off the tee, isn't it? It's that repetitiveness. Can you can you be hitting as you know lots and lots of fairways this week? And when you do miss, you, you're trying to miss in it in that semi. You're not going all the way into the hay. Mm. That's that's the number if you can find it. Yeah, it's out there. Yeah, now I get that. I was having a flick through it in uh, in bed last night, and yeah, it's the, uh, number one on that ranking was Colin Morikawa, and that doesn't surprise you because the guy is iron straight and fairly long. Mm-hmm. He's definitely in play next week, Morikawa. Definitely in play. That's the sort. Um, I was going to. I don't know if you've got anything else to add about the course, or are you happy with where we're at on that one? No, I think that we've covered most of it. The only other thing to pick out of Rory's and uh, Tiger's stats is that they both uh, scrambled and putted well enough to, uh, to to get round and to win. And 
Uh, Roy was fourth for scrambling, six for putts per GIR. Bear in mind, as you said, we've only got traditional stats here. Tiger was 13th and 12th. So um, it's a great all-round test with that kind of emphasis more on um, keeping yourself out of trouble in the first instance. And there's also going to be something here. And it's the same that you get with all of these majors. It's players who can put a bad hole or a bad break immediately out of their mind and uh, you know not be tilted by you know having to uh, you know, come out sideways from a bunker or um, having a bad break which bounces from the fairway into the into the you know into the tall rough it's having that mental strength to be able to manage your way around and to, to put those breaks out of out of your mind move on to the next hole and away you go but but yeah, I think if we if we're picking the numbers out, then we've kind of covered covered them there. But yeah, you're still going to need to be able to putt and scramble well enough. And again, if you look at the likes of a Scottish Scheffler and just eyeballing him again yesterday um, at the Scottish Open, you know, long game, fantastic. Um, you know, there was a few misses there, but in general, really good. But the putting still is is just missing far far too many and. Tough call. I noticed yesterday in Scotland he was two under, and you look at the stats; it was all you know typical. And then, uh, you know, oh, negative one point two on the greens. Yeah, but this it is doesn't Scottish, go away, it? does it? At the moment, no. This is where Scott is at, and he, he managed to salvage a two under round yesterday um, by missing everything. And you know, the, the the day in the week that he puts it all together and uh, the putter clicks, he's just going to absolutely walk a tournament. I think as punters, we were all walking that tightrope because you can oppose him, oppose him, oppose him. And then one week it is going to work and he's just going to mop up. But yeah, whether it's next week or not. Hmm. What price do you think Scotty might be if Rory wins the Scottish Open? I think you'll get, what, tens? What is he at the moment? Nines. I did, I did Nines. Nine down. Yeah, I, I think you, you know, Rory will be trimmed in a little bit and, and the likes of Scotty will move out. And yeah, you might get tens. Um I doubt the bookies would want to go much further than that because of the each way element. And if you look at his performances, his results over the last few months, he's been just peppering those top, you know, five, you know, top three, top four, top five positions each and every week. So as a punter presented with, and we'll get 11, 12 places each way next week. Um, if you've been offered 10 to one about a player who habitually finishes inside the top five, um, as an each way proposition, <sighs> plenty, plenty of punters will take that one as an each way punt, and I get that, I really do. But whether he goes and wins or not, and if we're talking about trying to find out that player, the single player that's going to prevail over everyone else, it's um, it's a different combination or a different different question. I think. I've looked at uh, Tiger Woods. Although he's a red herring, let's be frank. Uh, Rory McIlroy, you could kind of say he's a red herring as well. But at least Sergio Garcia and Ricky Fowler. You know, yep. players here who have either won or contended at Hoylake. And I, you know, I always look at this clearly from an American perspective because I'm a PGA Tour follower. There was one golf... Well, there were a few golf courses, actually, and we were talking about this off mic. But there's, there's definitely... I mean, Tiger Woods, two-time winner at the Players. Um, and for Tiger Woods, that's actually you know, quite quite low grade. As we know, he he, he was dominating on you know, winning six, seven times on different courses mm. in his pomp. McElroy's won the Players. Garcia's won the Players. Ricky Fowler's won the Players. And actually, in my mind, the Players is all about, apart from Cam Smith as ever, who clearly barely hit a fairway, barely hit a green, and, and when he was on the green was making 55-footers all week. But sawgrass can be mightily windy, can be pretty nippy, because they play it in March these days, um, and can be pretty frisky on the greens as well. And it's the course where if you're missing fairways, you're pretty much in the water around sawgrass. So again, you've got that kind of out-of-bounds element. The out-of-bounds there is wet. The out-of-bounds element here is you're picking up. Mm. So I get that. 
Um, I do actually see as well, if you're just looking at this golf course and you're looking for potential, I mean, it's difficult. If you're looking for potential golf courses on the open rotor that do link to this, clearly, um, Phil Mickelson's told us Muirfield. I don't think you're going to get too much out of that because the last one we saw at Muirfield was 2013. And also Muirfield was absolutely like playing on glass that year. Mm. But anyway, Muirfield is a is a comp course, according to Phil Mickelson, and I, I take his uh, word for, for gospel on that. Um, the other one I did think of, just you know, just looking through golf courses and just looking through images and video and whatever, is Royal Troon. And Royal Troon also works from a TPC Sawgrass perspective because if you remember, that was the great head-to-head between Phil Mickelson and Henrik Stenson. Henrik, of course, being another Players' Championship winner. So that's saw, I, I do like that sawgrass element. If you're seeing or interested in a player that's done some serious damage at the players, I don't think that's a bad angle. Now, I can also take that forward to another Florida golf stop-off. And Florida golf is like this, isn't it? Bay Hill, PGA National, where they play the Honda Classic, although the Honda have now withdrawn. Sawgrass. We're talking about late February, early March. We're talking about not overly warm and also pretty windy. So you know it's linksy in that kind of in that mm-hmm. kind of respect. Yeah. You look at Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods only played the Honda Classic once. He finished second. McElroy's won the Honda Classic. Garcia's finished second at the Honda Classic. Ricky Fowler's won the Honda Classic. So I genuinely think PGA National, Bay Hill, Sawgrass, if you're seeing players that play well at those tracks, I don't think that's a bad look. Mm. Okay. The other one that jumps out at me as well is TPC Boston, where they used to play... God, now we, you have to rewind here, don't you? They used to play the Deutsche Bank, and yep. then that became the Dell Technologies. Mm-hmm. I think the last one was called the Northern Trust. In fact, it was because it's on my screen here. That was the one that Dustin Johnson won at 30 under par with Harris English second at 19 under par. And what did we say earlier? Dustin Johnson was tied for second here after 36 holes at Hoylake. Anyway, Tiger Woods has won at Boston. Rory McIlroy's won twice at Boston. Garcia has a couple of top fives. And Ricky Fowler has won at TPC Boston. So those personally are golf courses that if I'm seeing format, that's a tick in my box for next week. Boston's interesting because... Um, a lot of fescue there, isn't there? Yeah, it, has, it certainly has got some linksy um, connotations, got some features that you could uh, you could certainly put down in that kind of um, aesthetic category at least. Definitely. So, mm, food for thought, that. So food for thought there. Um, I'm looking at the, um, the Northern Trust 2020 leaderboard, the last time the PGA Tour visited there. Harris English second, Daniel Berger third, Kevin Kisner and Scotty Scheffler tied for fourth. Scheffler won the um, saw, Sawgrass this year as well. Mm. So uh, and 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 Pat Mayo also brought this out, and we we both said to each other yesterday, "Are we going mad?" But clearly, Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Sergio Garcia, Ricky Fowler—they're not exactly bad players around Augusta National either. <laughs> and you can kind of say, "Has Augusta National got any kind of link to this as a course whatsoever?" No, or is it simply that the best players play? the best golf at Augusta National. That's yeah. probably yes. Also, so, yeah, just, just dif- different course perspectives there. Now, I've got a few trends, and I know that you're, you're a fan of a trend, Paul, mm. on these research podcasts. Do you want to go first? Because I'm sure that you've got a beautiful, juicy trend there that you want to you tell the listeners. Well, there's, there's lots, isn't there? The, the beauty of the Open, I, I think the... the the Masters is the one that you can really dig into because we stay at the same course each and every year. But there certainly are some nice trends to to pick out with, um, with the Open. If you look at current form, um, and you go all the way back to 2010, which was uh, uh, Louis Oosterhausen, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Each of the winners had a top three finish in one of their 
previous eight starts. And if you look at the last six winners in isolation, each of them had a, a win or a runner-up finish in one of their last nine starts. So some really recent, seriously contending form is um, is well worth looking at. 16, so you come back to the start of the, uh, start of the century, 16 of the 22 winners had a season win as well. So they had one in that physical season um prior to the open championship so in the uh you know in the six or seven months prior to their win they had also notched a uh yeah a victory and, that, that's, and that's some of those were quite recent victories as well yeah, weren't absolutely they? yeah i'm seeing molinari he'd won on the pj tour so had jordan spieth the outing before mm. he arrived in, in 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 the uk stenson first at the bmw international two outings before he won the open so yeah, some of that's quite direct wins, isn't it? It is, yeah. And, and, and you know, I don't think it hurts to come in. Uh, I, I, Barry's not with us today, as I'm sure the listeners have realised, but um, he'll be with us on Tuesday. But uh, Barry will always preach at this that picking the um, the player or the players that seem to have the very best incoming form is, um, you know, one of the one of the easier ways to whittle down your. Um, your field for this and that's you know that's almost stating the blinding obvious isn't it pick a player who's playing well um but golf and golf betting isn't always like that whereas coming into an open championship if you've got someone who's got blindingly obvious form coming in um that may not be a bad place to start just put into context if we're talking about wins in the season um if you pick out this field, and we've got 153 players confirmed of the 156 so far, you can get rid of two-thirds of the entire field if you're being as brutal as removing anyone who hasn't won in that year. That's a dangerous game. This is a dangerous game because if we say that, we're getting rid of the likes of uh, Xander Schauffele, uh, Jordan Spieth, Tyrrell Hatton, Cam Young. Um, I'm sure Cam Young will be popular with many punters again. Uh, Colin Morikawa, uh, Tommy Fleetwood, Bryson, Patrick Reed, Phil Mickelson, all sorts of players who've got some um, relevance or some history in the Open Championship. But 16 out of 22 is a big proportion. You know, it's well over mm. 70%. Yeah. Um, you know, I... For for me, I I I sometimes get too you know go down a, a rabbit hole with these um, trends and get too specific with it and then yep. miss a blinding Easy obvious play. <laughs> and uh, you know trends are there to be broken, but uh, it's well worth considering as well. I think uh, the, the, another thing that is fact that you can't um, you know you can't dispute with this is that the last ten winners, each of them was inside the top forty of the world rankings as well. So if you were to ignore everyone left out of your field then, um, and we're down to a field of 51 out of 153 by removing the non-winners, um, of the ones that are in the, uh, you know, not inside the top 40, you can get rid of the likes of Emiliano Grio, probably not winning anyway, Lucas Herber, Herbert, <laughs> don't turn him into a Frenchman there, Lucas Herbert, uh, Rasmus who won last week, Rasmus Hoygaard, Pablo Larathipel, Marcel Cien, both of them multiple winners or winners on the uh, DP World Tour this season. Podrick Harrington, who's played um, played some fantastic stuff on the uh, on the seniors, and you know put a decent effort in yesterday at the Scottish Open as well. And you know, there's been chatter about Podrick for the uh, for the European Ryder Cup team as well, isn't there? And mm-hmm. uh, you know he'll always have his supporters at an Open Championship. Um, if you remove the players that aren't in the top forty and those haven't won, you're down to twenty one players, Steve, before you even start. Wow. Which uh, is pretty it helps. Bad, really. Yeah, it does. Um, another one, another trend that you can pick out. The past 10 winners, each of them had a top 25 finish in one of their previous three major championships. So players... Say that, say that one again, sorry. So uh, the past 10 winners, each yep. of them had a top 25 or better in one of mm. their previous three major starts. That's interesting. So again, the logic there, isn't there? You know, you you're giving yourself a chance. You're giving yourself a, a side to a, a um and a, a major championship that um can give you that bit of confidence that you can move forward and contend and compete and potentially win an open championship or or, or a major. 
and again, there's players that you can, you know, these are these are names that we've mentioned a few times and pods of, of players that just don't pull it together, um, you know, recent majors. But Tony Finnell doesn't fit that. Sam Burns doesn't fit that. Siwoo Kim doesn't fit that. Jason Day, Max Homer. And we've talked about Max again at the, you know, we talked about him at the Masters. We talked about him at the, uh, the US Open where he was well fancied. But the performances on the major championship uh, level just aren't there at the moment from Max. So I yeah. can be more I can be more specific than that. Go on. Go back to Henrik Stenson in 2015. All Open Championship winners had finished in the top 11 on one of their three previous majors. Yep. So that list of players that haven't finished in the top 11 this year, three majors. Homer, yes. Finau, yes. Bradley. Hatton, who's going to get a whole heap of steam next week. Burns. Justin Thomas. Sung Im, Jason Day. Brian Harmon. Shane Lowry. Hideki Matsuama. So, yeah. yeah. By the numbers... There's there's players mentioned twice there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not yeah. winning. No, and you know I, I'm on I'm on Hatton this week. You mentioned Hatton and watched him again yesterday, and he's he's so frustrating because he's so so close to playing some fantastic golf, but he's when it anything you know any adversity. And it's just knocking him right off the, uh, knocking him right off the scent. And I, I wonder at a, an Open Championship where you are going to get the odd bad bounce, you are going to get the odd bad break, you're going to miss the odd part. And he, he he was missing putts from three, four foot feet yesterday, which you know you could see were just winding him up. Um, and then he misses another one because he's wound up that he's missed a previous one, and then he misses a fairway or sticks it in the sticks it in the sand or whatever he does. And I. <laughs> I just wonder about the temperament. Still, it's I can't, gave him a chance this week, and um, yeah, I, I'd be surprised if he pulls it around from where he is now. But yeah, as you say, he will get some steam next week. He will be popular if he if he does what Till tends to do. He probably put a decent round in today and uh, and finish inside the top ten, and uh, he'll, he'll be a popular pick for next week. But, yeah. Last three, last three winners, Paul. And I'm not saying that this is the be or an end all. The last three winners have all played in the Scottish Open or the Irish Open in the case mm-hmm. of Lowry. So they've actually come to these shores. Yep. They've played competitively. I noticed John Rahm is in Ireland playing some Lynx golf. Uh, Bally Bunyan, yeah. Yeah, I would have thought Brooks Kepka's in Florida, not playing any Lynx golf. He'll turn up on Tuesday, walk nine holes, and say he's ready. <laughs> That's what Brooks does. He goes to the green, he looks back down the hole, and I know what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So that's Brooks's. Uh, that's that's Brooks's recce for next week. Um, but prior to those guys, and I think this is an interesting angle as well. So the last three all played these this side of the Atlantic before they won, and in many cases they didn't play very well. Colin Morikawa, but you know it's a tick in a box. Prior to that, Molinari, when he won. He literally jumped straight off the John Deere Classic Charter. He'd finished second there, and he'd won the previous week at TPC Potomac. Red, hot, full. Jordan Spieth. Didn't play anything over here competitively. His last outing on the PGA Tour, he won the Travellers. So these are people that are doing very well in this short space between the US Open and the Open Championship. Mm. Henrik Stenson. He did play the Scottish Open. He finished 13th. Lovely. That's the kind of form you like, isn't it? And something like that. Like Cam Smith last year finished 10th at the Scottish Open. The outing before that, as we said earlier in the pod, he won the BMW International on the on the European Tour, as it was then called. And we could even go back to Zach Johnson in 2015. Again, hadn't been this side of the Atlantic whatsoever. He came off the John Deere Classic Charter, where he'd finished third. 
And the previous outing to that was sixth at the Travellers. So for me, you're either looking for players that have had an outing over here at the Scottish Open or haven't done that, but have been in the top five of a PGA Tour event this side of the US Open. Yeah. Yeah, that bit of that's very, very black and white. That trend. Yeah, that bit of very recent form. Yeah, and of course that brings a lot of names into play, doesn't it? Ricky Fowler, Colin Morikawa. Yeah, Um, because the the PGA Tour fields have been weak, um, relatively. You know, John Deere Classic. There wasn't any real elite players in there. I mean, you could throw Cam Young in there, couldn't you? Did he finish fifth or sixth? Mm -hmm. So that's the kind of player that you might say, well, actually, they haven't played in Scotland this week, but they're clearly in good form. Mm-hmm. And Cam Young's another that has got that top 11 finish at a major because he finished seventh at the Masters. Yeah. yeah um, I'm but- looking here. Morikawa's had some decent finishes in majors this year, 10th tenth, tenth at the Masters. So, you know, th- these are players you can't discount. It's a slightly different dynamic this year, isn't it? With and it, as it was last year with the co-sanctioned Barbasol. So um, I, I had a quick look through yesterday. The only player that I could see um, in the field at the Barbasol who's playing the Open was um, Jazz Janowatanon. I think. Other than that, it's players that are playing over in Scotland. If you um, want some more of the trends, um, Dave Tyndall picked out one um, and his trends piece on Twitter is well worth looking at. Um, and that kind of backs up what you just said there, Steve, which was eight out of the last 10 open winners had played the week before, whether that be um, the Scottish or the Irish or um, on a PGA Tour event and then came straight over. So, you know, again, you could get quite brutal with your statistics or your your um, getting your shortlist and only pick players effectively who've played the Scottish Open. Um Again, you're going to be getting rid of players then um, that uh, you may not want to. Um, you know, all, all of the live players, none of the none of the live players are playing this week, so um, you'd instantly get rid of the likes of a Brooks Kepka and a, a Cam Smith if you were to be as brutal as saying that I'm only picking players that have played or mm. physically playing this week. But eight out of ten, yeah, played the week before. It's consideration. So t- the, the, the exceptions there then would be Larry because he played the Irish Open, didn't play the Scottish, mm. and would be Jordan Spieth who came. Christ, he he won the Travellers, so well, that had been three weeks prior to the Open, yeah, maybe yeah. four. Interesting stuff. Mm. Very interesting. There's there definitely another... ways of cutting the cake, aren't there, to exclude names for this? Oh, there is. Oh, yeah, yeah, big style. Um, there was another tweet, um, and this was from a guy called Patrick McDonald, who writes for CBS Sports. I'm, I'm not going to claim this is uh, any of my no. own analysis, but I thought this I was interesting. This yeah. I thought it was in- interesting, and um, credit to Patrick for picking this data out. And um, he quoted that the last 10 winners had averaged um, just oh, averaged above two strokes gain total per round. Um, in their three months prior to victory. So players that are consistently playing top golf. And that kind of, again, just ties into this current form, um, you know, assertion that you need to generally be playing some really good stuff. And you know, I've, I've just done some analysis of my own and I've, just to try and get um, a feel of this. And if you were to cut the um, players left in my kind of shortlist from here off at, plus 1.5 strokes gained total per round for the last, well, going back to the start of April, then you're getting an even shorter list here. I end up with a short list of 10 players if I apply all of the number, all of the numbers, all of the trends that we've discussed in the last 10 minutes or so. Um, I'll, I'll rattle through them quickly because the winner may well be in here. Um, it may well form part of my thought process for next week but as I said I'm not going to get massively hung up on this because I'm not going to exclude someone just because they marginally missed out on this anyway in in world ranking order the 10 I come back with from the the trends are Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, uh, Rory McIlroy, Victor Hovland, Cam Smith, Matt Fitzpatrick, Wyndham Clark, uh, Brooks Kepka, Ricky Fowler and Justin Rose are the only 10 that fit all the criteria that I have run through so far. 
Now, not many surprising names there, although Wyndham Clark hasn't got a particularly good Open Championship record, but seems to be a different beast nowadays. Um, Scotty Scheffler is pretty damn obvious, really, as is Rahman McElroy. But yeah, perhaps uh, perhaps the winners in that list of 10. Uh, Barry Fitzpatrick's be... interesting, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, He's yeah, had yeah. a 10th this year at the Masters. So since that US Open victory, 21st at the Open, 10th at the Masters, a miscut of the when defending the US Open, 17 uh, sorry, miscut of the PGA and a 17th when defending the US Open last time out. He's there or thereabouts, isn't he? He is this this niggling neck thing going on with him that just mm. um crops up every now and again and yeah, you know, beware the injured golfer. We saw that with Rasmus Hoygaard last week and you can't you know anything can happen that you know a physio can do the do the work that's going to get a player through four days pain-free um and it's a non-consideration but um you know the same same with jordan speed how how's his wrist you know he he had a pretty poor round yesterday at the scottish open and again he's going to have fantastic support next week but we're not seeing or hearing um, whether that's one hundred percent or ninety percent or seventy percent, you know, where where exactly are we with it? So lots of question marks, lots of considerations ahead of next week. Best coastal golf players last five years on the PJ Tour. Mm. This data is all from our predictor models. So we have a rolling five year frame time frame that just constantly moves. So. Last five years, eleventh uh, Scotty Scheffler, tie for eighth, Finau, Mickelson, Thomas, Patrick Reed at seven, Justin Rose at six, Colin Morikawa at five, Xander at four, Cam Smith at three, Victor Hovland at two, Victor Hovland at two, mm. John Rahm at one. <clears throat> Clearly, John Rahm and Torrey Pines make up a huge proportion of his total score. Yeah, but he can play coastal golf, didn't he? I can remember him. Was it Ireland or Scotland one year that he played on the European Tour and he did really, really well on one of those? He might have won it. Yeah, and there's a, of course the uh, the Spanish Open that he won. Um, it, it's it's kind of in turn, you know, in in. Uh, it's in Madrid, so it's about 5,000 miles from the sea, but it looks like a Lynx course. Yeah, it does. It looks and feels like an inland Lynx, which, um, yeah. again, there's, there's relevance there in some capacity. It's interesting that he's in Ireland, clearly getting his mm. Lynx you know, touch sensors up to speed. Yep. Uh, soft golf courses. We mentioned this. If you know, we don't know what's going to happen. But if there's some cut in the fairways and the greens are on a little bit on the receptive side, I'll just take you through soft golf course. Soft golf course performers over the last five years as well. So when you're using this um, <clears throat> this variable within our predictor model, this is the data that you're effectively tapping into. JT is at one. Kepka is at two. Cantlay is at three. I've got a feeling, uh, a thing with Cantlay, you know. Doesn't win tournaments unless it's about 90 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) Victor Hovland at four, tied with Rory. Cam Smith is at six. Keegan Bradley at seven. Sung Im eight. Adam Scott at nine. I believe he's top ten last two times they've come to Hoylake. And our old podcast friend, Emiliano Grio, is at 10. Just above Paul, this will amuse you, Scott Piercy. <laughs> he was another one in the, in, the, in the old days of McElroy. Scott Piercy and Charlie Hoffman on a soft golf course. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. Other names just slightly lower. Jason Day, Kevin Kisner, Justin Rose, Xander. Webb Simpson, John Rahm. John Rahm is actually quite low down that for a player who is clearly in the top two in the world. Um, from a points total, he's he's less than half. He's got less than half the points of a Justin Thomas who's at the top. Just worthy of note. Yeah, it must more be down to the 
the events that he's played and because you'd imagine if, if he'd have played exactly the same number or type of events that he'd have... Yeah, I suppose so. Lucas Glover's in there as well, and I see that he started very nicely for you, Paul, at the, uh, the Barber song yesterday. Yeah, thanks. Kiss of death there, Steve. Did you have him first round leader? Of course you didn't. <laughs> no, no, no. Of course you didn't. I think that's... Well, I'm pretty much out of content, Paul. What about you? Yeah, I think from here, it's a case of assimilating all of the many angles that we've got and uh, trying to come up with those, uh, you know, that very, very short number of names that uh, we're happy to punt on for next week. And there's no, personally, I've not placed any anti-post bets at all on this. Um, as we're sitting here right now and it's quarter to nine on Friday morning over here in the UK, there's still no final markets out from any of the bookies. They're still all sitting on the anti-post markets. So anti-post um, each way terms as well. So I suspect I won't be placing anything until Sunday, Monday, um, and then, uh, yeah, my <laughs> final preview and thoughts will be out. I've early. got one bet. Go on. I placed it a few days ago. I took 23 on Betfair Exchange, or was it 24? Can't remember. On Victor Hovland. Okay. That's my one and only open championship bet that it's there, placed. Yeah. And I know Barry's on um, uh, Ricky Fowler. He's gone there. He's gone in early with Ricky, um, reinvested some of these winnings from the other week. Um, but so, yeah, other than that, we the three of us will run through our final thoughts um, on Tuesday next week. We will. Paul, thank you for your time. I hope thank your you. research over the weekend goes speedily. Thank you. Put your feet up at some points, Paul, and have, 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 have a nice chilled beer. <laughs> I'm sure I'll sneak one in. Please do. Thank you for listening. Um, we will be back on Tuesday with our tips podcast. As I said, whatever you guys can do, share the podcast, um, like the podcast on YouTube, tell your friends when you're having a round of golf over, golf over the weekend or down the pub, or whatever you're doing. Just mention the Golf Betting System podcast. Let's see if we can get our record podcast number at the 2023 Open Championship next week. It's been a joy. We'll see you again next week. Cheers. If you like betting on golf, Everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting system is the golf